It is time. Well, hello, Hope Des Moines. Pastor John here. Great to be able to share with you today. It's time. It is time for something big to happen. It's time to go. It's time to take a step of faith. Isn't it interesting that you can tell this theme is all over the films that we love? It's time. that There, there comes a point in every single story and movie, film that we love, where the characters must take a stand. They must make a choice to stay or to go, to engage or to shrink back, to live in faith or to live in fear. It's what you heard in the offering song a little bit ago from uh, the worship team as, as you heard that, Dare You to Move. They sang over and over. Popular song many, many years ago by a band named Switchfoot. I don't know if there's any Switchfoot fans uh, here today. Maybe a few uh, of you out there. Uh, but this song is pretty straightforward. From the moment that you and I are born, life is calling out to us, dare you to move. Dare you to not stay where you are in this life, complacent in fear of the unknown, but rather when the time is right to step forward in faith. When you think about it, everything that we do that, that really matters in life in one way or another requires a step of faith, right? Think all the way back to your childhood, uh, your first day of school, your first date, uh, proposing maybe for some of you, getting married. You had no idea what it was going to be like, right? The decision to have kids for some of you, right? Of course, at the time, we didn't know what we were getting into, right? It's an act of faith, a pure step of faith all the way. For some of you, every day is an act of faith right now because you are up against it, if we can be honest. Uh, a relationship, uh, your, your marriage is really difficult right now. A loved one is sick. You're not really sure how to let go and trust God with the decisions that your kids are making as they grow up. Your finances are so tight right now, you don't know if you're going to make it to the next paycheck for some of you. Faith isn't an option. Walking in faith is the only option you have. Most importantly, many of you remember that moment when you felt that nudge, that movement of God inside, and you put your faith in God for the very first time. You took that step of faith and started a relationship with Jesus. Some of you, well, you might even feel that nudge today from the God that created you, from the God that loves you. And so the question for all of us today as we get started is this, how do you take that first step? How do you take one more step? Wherever you're at today, how do you take a step of faith? How do we actually live every single day by faith? Well, our scripture that you heard read a little bit earlier from Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verse 39, puts it this way. Let's read it together uh, nice and loud up on the screen. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. In other words... We belong to, Hebrews says, as followers of Jesus, we don't belong to fear, we belong to God. A God who not only created us, but has been faithful again and again. Here's the idea that I want to start out with today, is that the story of God's people, as you look through the entire Bible, the story of God's people is not of perfect people who have never faced pain or difficulty, who have never faced the fear of the unknown, but rather the story of the Bible is a story of God's imperfect people who have lived by faith. If you have your Bibles, open up to Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're going to start today. 
Hebrews chapter 11. We are con- uh, continuing uh, our series in the book of Hebrews, and uh, we've been going through this now the last couple weeks during the month of November. And so uh, it's called Soul Anchor, uh, is this series we're covering in Hebrews. The author of Hebrews is writing to Jewish Christians that are in Jerusalem, and they are most likely facing persecution. And so the call of the book of Hebrews for them and for us today is to live by faith. Is exactly what we'll be talking about, to take that step of faith. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, where I want to start out today, is the, the, the author gives us sort of a history lesson on faith. So if you look at up, up on the screen, you'll see a bunch of different verses that all start out by faith, by faith, by faith. There's this cadence. Starts out in verse 3. By faith, we understand the universe was formed at God's command. Verse 7. By faith, Noah was warned about things yet seen. I like this. And yet in holy fear, he built the ark. It's by faith, it's by faith. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham went to a place, he obeyed and he went. Verse 29, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea and onto dry land. Verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell and on and on and on. Are you sensing a theme here, right? Everybody say, "By by faith. By faith. Over and over, the story of the Bible is about imperfect people who instead of focusing on the size of their fear, focused on the size of their God. Instead of focusing on the size of their fear, they focused on the size of their God. Now, it would be very easy to read a whole bunch of verses like we just read and think, oh yeah, you know, those are all those great Bible stories about all those great Bible heroes. That's, that's good, Pastor John, you know, and aspirational and all, but, but John, this is real life. Like, that's their story, not our story. Oh, but it is. In so many ways, it's our story that God has been faithful to to you individually, but also to us as a church as well. It's by faith. Everybody say, by faith. It's by faith. Our story doesn't go back quite as far, but our story collectively as, as Hope Des Moines, our story of faith goes back to 2008 when we were first launched as a campus. And as you look at some of those different images on the screen is by faith, way back in, in uh, the spring of 2008, that a small but courageous group uh, of hopesters gathered in Hubble Elementary School for the very first time and dreamed about a Hope campus in the downtown in the city area. By faith, for six years, faithful volunteers, get this, loaded and unloaded that trailer that's sitting out there by our building and set up everything that we had every weekend as a church. It was by faith then in 2013, maybe, I don't know, give or take 200 Hope Des Moines members gave over $800,000 to purchase and renovate the building that we're in right now, a former car dealership to be our church home. By faith, hundreds, if not thousands of you have given your time, your love, your service, your leadership for the past 11 years. We didn't know where all this was headed. I certainly didn't know what I was doing when we started. Still don't to some extent, right? But it's by faith. And by faith, last fall, so many of you gave over $1.15 million to purchase and renovate the building to our north, only to have God intervene and in his faithfulness and his provision again. We uh, have this opportunity to purchase this, this larger, beautiful church on University Avenue to be our future church home. Almost like God came along once again when that opportunity came along and said, just like Switchfoot, dare you to move. (laughs) 
Dare you to move. Dare you to walk by faith. To walk by faith. And so later this spring, we'll follow his call and we'll move once again. I love how verse 38 puts it uh, in Hebrews chapter 10. So flip back to kind of bouncing back and forth between 10 and 11 here. But go back to Hebrews chapter 10 in verse 38. And it says this. I think let's read it together up on the screen. But my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. That's a challenging word for us this weekend. In other words, if you look at all that God has done, in all the ways that he's provided, this is no time for us as a church to shrink back and play it safe. It's no time to play it safe. And one of the, one of the reasons why God is, I think maybe one of the reasons why God is having us move as a church, get this for the third time, is so we don't get too comfortable. I know it sounds so appealing. I just want to hunker down and be safe and be comfortable so we don't get too comfortable. So we don't get in this line of thinking that the church is a building. Instead, it's people who live by faith. And so with God's faithfulness in mind, we press forward with this bold new vision that we have as a church. And we talked about this new vision uh, for the last couple weeks, uh, and I just want to get it in our heads. It's brand new, and it takes a while to get used to. So uh, with all the enthusiasm you have, wherever you're at, let's read this together up on the screen. Powered by the Spirit to bring Christ to all cultures, revive the world with God's love, and make heaven more crowded. No, we are not, as Hebrews says, shrinking back. We are charging forward, as the scripture says uh, in, in, later on in, uh, in Esther, for such a time as this, with this bold new vision, as well as these 12 kind of big audacious goals that we have for the next decade. We're calling it 10 for 10. We've got them up here. You can see over to your wall, uh, the wall over there, to my right, to your left, uh, over there. And we are so excited about what God is going to do in this church over the next 10 years. And I hope that you've picked up your vision packet in the back at the Welcome Center and you can read more about what that vision is all about. But today we are so excited for you to hear uh, from a special guest, our senior pastor, Mike Householder, who uh, wants to chime in with a few thoughts uh, in our next video about here, how we as Hope Des Moines fit into this larger vision uh, that, that he kind of talked about uh, when we heard from him a couple weeks ago. And I want to share that uh, with you uh, here today, that, that vision, a little bit more of what Mike has to say about that and how we specifically here at Hope Des Moines fit into that. Hey everybody, it's Pastor Mike, and I was really pleased when Pastor John reached out to me and asked me to share a greeting with you uh, at Hope Des Moines as you move through this exciting giving campaign. And it is exciting because of all the things that God is doing in our midst. We're one church in many locations, as you know. It was just a few weeks ago we celebrated our 25th birthday here at Hope. Big highlight of that was we got to roll out this exciting new vision that God has laid on our hearts for the next decade of ministry. It's audacious. It's overwhelming, it's very exciting, but imagine what it's going to be like, because this isn't us trying to do it for God, it's God doing it through us, when we get to see what God does over the next decade of ministry. Just a few weeks ago, Sally and I were able to join you guys at Hope Des Moines for a preview night in the new church building on University across from Drake, got a taste of what it's going to be like to worship there, it was so inspiring, 
got a feel for, for the size of that building, the square footage, how nice it's going to be to be able to expand your ministries, and how good it's going to be able to be to, to serve and help our mission partners and give them more space. We'll see where God leads specifically on that. But uh, I think about that and I think, wow, that's going to bring way more light into the community we serve. It's going to be something that God uses to change the city, which is one of the 10 big goals we have. 10 for 10 is a part of our vision statement, powered by the Spirit to bring Christ to all cultures, revive the world with God's love, and make heaven more crowded. One of those 10 goals underneath that vision is to be city changers. And that's exactly what God has called us to do uh, specifically and especially through you at Hope Des Moines. So thanks for being on board for that. Thanks for embracing that call. Thanks for being on the front lines of this really exciting time in the development of this church family. There are all sorts of other things in our vision that are a part of the, what this giving campaign is about as well. You have a chance to be legacy makers. You, you have an opportunity to be kingdom expanders. And as you think about what it is that God wants to do through you, individually and specifically, as you move toward uh, the day when you'll, you'll make your financial commitments to this campaign, there's no pressure, there's no gimmicks, there's no games, there's no guilt. We don't hire professional fundraisers to try to get you to give more. We just ask you to take a step of faith, like you're hearing about in the sermons this weekend from Hebrews chapter 11. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So just pray about it. Say, Lord, what do you want to do through me to accomplish your will for this church and whatever God lays on your heart? Give that faithfully, generously, cheerfully, joyfully. And watch what that does for your own faith. And then through you, watch what that does for the world around us. It could change the city. And it could change it for the better and forever. So thank you, Hope Des Moines. I love you guys. Can't wait to be with you again soon. I've got a gig usually on Sunday, so it's hard to be there with you on Sundays. But you're in good hands. So, Pastor John, take it away. Give him heaven. Preach it, brother. Awesome. I want to thank Pastor Mike for taking some time to share some thoughts and some encouragement uh, with us today. And I pray that you know this. Whether it is your first time here today... <laughs> or whether it's your hundredth time or you've been coming since our very beginning, you are more a part of this than you know. You are a part of this movement of God called Lutheran Church of Hope. You are, I hope that you just sense this tonight and every time that you come, every time you walk through those doors, that you are a part of something way bigger than you that matters. And we saw that, hopefully you felt that a few weeks ago. Those of you that were here, there's a lot of you here uh, that weekend for our 25th anniversary. We celebrated in, in a powerful way. And way more than nostalgia, I pray that it is the track record that God has, God's track record at this church, instead of nostalgia, would be a catalyst. Would be a catalyst for you to join this mission. By faith, to join what God is doing right here, right now, at Hope Des Moines this fall. And so with that, we're in the middle of revisiting this capital campaign that we kicked off last fall. It's called Building to a Hope Beyond. And you've seen these packets floating around. Uh, there's a whole bunch of them in the back. If you haven't picked up one up, it's not too late uh, to grab one of those. But the, the focus of these funds, like I said, and that, that money that you gave last fall and continue to give as you fulfill your pledges 
is focused on uh, the much-needed renovations and upgrades that are going to be taking place uh, at our new facility on university, as well as continuing to knock down our debt, which I'm really excited about, which sounds really strange, but the more we can knock down that debt, it's going to free up tens and thousands of dollars of interest every year. Uh, Last year, you may not know this, but a part of our general fund, our general budget, we tithe 10%. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but gave close to between forty dollars and $50,000 away to local missions uh, and ministry efforts here in the city and around the world. And we can't continue to grow that. We can't continue uh, to support the ongoing ministries here as a church if we're giving so much to interest every single month. And we want to continue to knock down that debt. Now, let's just pause there for a second. I, I get it. Right about now, there's some of you that are thinking, who is this guy uh, on video speaking to me? And some of you, uh, I know, are maybe checking out thinking, okay, here comes the sermon about money, right? And well, I don't have any money to give right now, you might be saying, so this weekend is not for me, so I'll just kind of check out. I mean, you're thinking, if there was a theme song to my life, you remember that song? I think it was from the 90s, right? If I had a million Dollars, right? Don't leave me hanging or sing that together, right? If I had a million dollars, if that was true, then you're saying I could be generous. If I had a million, if I had two million dollars, if I had half a million dollars, if I had a hundred bucks, then I could be generous. However, what I think we're going to discover today is that generosity, okay, generosity is not based on how much you have, but rather the condition of your heart. Okay, let that sink in for a second. Generosity is not based on how much you have, but rather the condition of your heart. And let me tell you, I could not be more excited. I've been looking forward (laughs) to this weekend all week. And I know what you're thinking, Pastor John, uh, sure, you picked the week to talk about money to be on video. Like that was, that's really smart. (laughs) Then you don't have to deal with all the scowls and and the booze you're probably getting right now, right now, because you're not that kind of a church. That's not who you are. You're an incredibly generous church. And you've heard me say that to you time and time again. This has never, this campaign, giving in general, has never been about buildings or money or a bigger church. This is about learning to walk by faith in every aspect of our lives, including our finances and our stuff and our possessions. So whether we're talking about uh, our weekly, our monthly tithing to our general fund or above and beyond that for this campaign, it's so important, as we talked about last week, that we clarify the why behind it all, that we clarify the why behind it all. And here's the big idea is that radical grace unlocks generosity. It's radical grace that unlocks generosity in our hearts. Reminds me of a story, uh, this was, boy, it was a couple years ago now. Uh, my wife Tiffany and I get into all sorts of predicaments. That's why you probably hear a lot of uh, stories uh, from this stage about the two of us. But uh, we were running late to something, and we hadn't had dinner, and I think we decided to go through uh, the drive through And yes, I remember, it was Taco John's. Just relax, don't judge, you've all done it, okay? Taco John's. Um, and so we ordered, and we, uh, we get up to the window, and we got our... our pull my credit card out to make the payment and everything like that. And the nice gal there at the window pulls it open and says, excuse me, sir, uh, no reason to pay. Uh, the couple in the car ahead of you has uh, taken care of, of your meal. So here's your food and you're all taken care of and you're free to go. And we just kind of looked at each other and we went, what? You know, like when you just get caught off guard, you're so used to just 
hey, we have to pay for this, right? They just handed us our food and our jaws just hit the floor and we're looking ahead and this car is driving away and there's this couple looking back and we kind of look through the rearview mirror and they're just kind of like looking at us and smiling and, and, and shaking their hands. I go, wait a minute, that's Pastor Mike and Sally, the guy just you saw just a few minutes ago, pay for our food and they're off and, and, and goodbye. And, and uh <laughs> It, it caught us off guard, and they just, you know, we just drove off that day, free. That's the invitation of grace. Grace is understanding <laughs> that the bill has been paid in full. And not just any payment, not just Taco John's, but a bill that you and I will never be able to pay. As the Bible says, the wages of Sin, the penalty of our sin is death. And get this, 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and died and rose again. And he said, here's the deal. Here's the exchange I'll make with you. I'll take your pain. I'll take your wounds. I'll take your sin. I'll take your past. I'll even take your eventual death. And in exchange, how about this? I'll give you the keys to eternal life. Uh, And I'll give you a life of joy and peace and satisfaction that the world can't touch. Now that is being given something that we don't deserve. That's grace. Generosity, whether it's our time, our talents, or our treasure, is a natural response of a heart that has been so captured by God's grace that you realize everything that you have, everything that you and I have is a gift, and the only natural response is to live a life of radical generosity. Radical grace leads to radical generosity. Radical grace leads to radical generosity, and we're not going to talk about money, we're not going to talk about giving, we're not going to talk about tithing until we start at the cross. Radical grace that all of us received. We don't deserve anything, and that's where it starts. that's That's how we start. That's how we learn to walk by faith when it comes to our Finances. And so thankfully, the Bible not just gives us the big picture of that starting at the cross, but it gives us some super practical truths, almost like apps on your phone, just like really helpful tools on how to not only view our money, but everything that we have. And it's summarized by three key ideas. And maybe you've heard these before, and maybe you haven't, but I think it's very helpful to remember. There are three P's. Everybody say it with me. Everybody say priority, percentage, and progressive. Okay, not the car insurance company, progressive giving, priority, percentage, and progressive. Okay, so let's take them one at a time and break those down. First of all, priority, okay? If we're going to understand what God has to say about our finances and possessions, it starts by understanding whose they are to begin with, which is not ours, okay? Psalm 24, verse 1 is up on the screen. Let's read it nice and loud together. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, including you and me and everybody, not only our stuff and our money, but we ourselves are God's possession. If you believe, think about, if you believe that everything that you have is yours, giving's not going to make any sense. And that's how a lot of us have been conditioned to view life. Here's kind of a helpful way uh, to understand it. If you can see the board uh, up here, usually it starts, uh, one way of understanding it uh, is is, uh, with me at the top. And at the top of that 
triangle, the way that we view our lives and the priority of our lives is me. I want it to be all about me and everything that I want. It's about advancing me, my agenda, my ideals, what I want to accomplish, what I want to achieve. And, and then when it comes to finances, that usually means that to live. Just a shortened way of understanding that. I want to live. I want to live where I want to, with who I want, to, with who I want and how I want to. Secondly, I believe in savings. So the second part of that is save. Everybody say save. Save. Saving is a really good thing, right? And, and I, I try to save when I can after I get my needs met. After I do what I want to do, then, then I'll save. And then if I have anything left, then the last part of it is give. Everybody say give. So it's me at the top, then save, then give. Okay? If there's any left. And that's kind of how a lot of us tend to view our budget each month. And it seems smart. It seems rational. <laughs> But we're not called to live necessarily by the way that everybody else does or what seems popular. We're called to live by faith. And that looks much different. God wants to flip the triangle. He wants to invert our way of thinking about everything that we have. He wants to be the priority in our lives. Everything is about him rather than me as the agenda. Because everything that we have is grace. Everything is a gift from him, okay? Whether I make $20,000 a year or $200,000 a year, my first priority at the top, if we flip it, is, you can guess it, is to give. I've flipped my understanding upside down. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 puts it this way. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Everybody say first fruits. First fruits. Okay? So, the biblical authors are writing to a more agricultural society, right? So they think about it in that sense. What does that mean, okay? Now, a lot of you maybe aren't growing crops, okay? But you have an income, okay? Whatever is given to you, okay, giving back to God takes first priority. That's what we're talking about when we talk about priority, rather than month to month. And you can do that here in person when you give. You can do it online. Hope has a brand new app that launched last week that you can use for your giving as well, okay? Secondly, God wants us, you get it, you're following along, to save. It is a biblical thing, not to save necessarily more than we need, but life is long and we're called to be wise. We're called to save so that we can set ourselves up for the future and take care of our family. It's a good thing to do. We don't want to be in debt in an unreasonable way. And then finally, the third piece is God's realistic. He knows that we need to live, right? So we've basically flipped the triangle upside down. We got to eat. We got to have clothes. We got to shelter. All those things are important. But the difference here is who's on top. Who is the Lord of your life? Here, I'm telling God to adjust his agenda to mine. <laughs> here, I'm adjusting my agenda to God's. And the big difference here is that here I'm living entitled when it's all about me at the top, and here I'm living entrusted. Are you going to live with an entitled posture towards life or the fact that God, everything is God's, and the amazing thing is that he has entrusted you with so much. God has let go of 
everything and given it to us. It's either all mine or it's all his. Okay? So priority being the first thing in our lives. Secondly, it's percentage. Okay? Percentage. Scripture lays out a beautiful model of, for us of this thing called tithing. Okay? Simply put, tithing is a Hebrew word that means tenth, just giving the first 10% of our income to God. Where does that come from? All over the Old Testament. Listed a few verses up there and in the New Testament. If you thought it was just an Old Testament thing, Jesus actually speaks to it and lifts it up as well. Now, people will ask, so, Pastor John, you know, is that 10% on the gross or is that on the net, right? We've already missed the point. 10% is a good goal, okay? But hear me say this. God's not counting your dollars. He's looking at your heart. It's the spirit of it. Because there's a reason that Jesus talked more about money in the Bible than heaven and hell combined. And so that's why to be faithful as we teach and preach on this, we're not going to teach and preach on money more than the Bible does, but we're not going to do it any less. Jesus talked about money a lot because he knew how easy it would be for money to get its hooks in us to become a God and that we cling to it. Instead, Jesus talks about money a lot because he wants to set you free. He's not some sort of financial prude that wants to steal your joy. He wants to set you free from being enslaved to fear and stress and just a craving for more, okay? So the question is, do you have your money or does your money have you? Who's, Who's in control? Are you enslaved to it or are you in control of it? And here's the thing. Some of you are like, that's not my issue because I don't have a lot of money. It can happen with any amount, with little or much. In fact, Gallup conducted a poll to see how different socioeconomic groups defined rich. That was the question. Define rich. All over the economic scale, they interviewed people. Okay? What was fascinating, they defined rich, almost everybody across the board, as double the amount that they currently have. What does that tell you? (laughs) The fact is, you will never feel ready to give. You will never feel like you have enough to give. Instead, what if this campaign was about learning to trust God, and as Hebrews taught us, walk by faith. Walk by faith. And so the next question I normally get is, okay, Pastor John, this is great and all, but what if I'm not in a situation where I can tithe, where I can give 10%? I mean, I've got debt, you know, from college or loans and bills to pay, and I can hardly provide for my family. Hearing me say loud and clear, if you're struggling to provide for your family, do that first. That's biblical, okay? But for some of you, okay, just to challenge you a little bit, right? For some of you, you can give, okay? It's going to take some discipline, Just like anything else that we want in our lives, okay, a discipline goes in place to get us where we really want to go beyond just what we feel from day to day. That's what tithing is. And I want to encourage you this January to take Financial Peace University, FPU, that we've offered here many, many times to help you learn a biblical model of finances. Start somewhere, meet together with a friend that, that understands budgets a little bit more, get together with your spouse, and then slowly build up to it. Can we do one? Can we do 2%? Can we do 5%? It's not about a percentage. It's about your heart. And that leads us to the final key, progressive. Progressive. Giving is something that should change and be modified over time 
as your income changes, okay? Don't be mistaken. 10% is not some spiritual target that like, I got it, and your income continues to go up, but I'm sticking at that 10% because that's what the Bible says. Well, actually, the Bible goes way deeper than that. Jesus goes way deeper than that. He said, all these, all these laws, all these rules, get to the heart of it. Are you giving generously and cheerfully and joyfully, or are you doing it out of duty? Remember, boy, this must have been close to 15 years ago. Now, I was uh, working at a church out in Colorado, and we were doing a series on money, on giving, on tithing, and, uh, and, and sharing our resources. And uh, a, a gentleman came up to me. This guy was, uh, was a cowboy, and he always had a cowboy hat on. And I think, uh, well, in fact, I knew uh, that he was doing pretty well uh, financially. And, and he came up after a sermon uh, that I had given about money, and he came up and he said, uh, you know, John, I, you know, I was... Uh, know that you don't want to know any of this stuff, but I just have to share this with you because I feel like it's something I want to share that God's doing in my life. And, and I just reminded him that, that I don't want to know and I don't know, same as here. I don't know what anybody gives. I never want to know what anybody gives. That's between you and God. But in his best Southern accent that he had, I don't know how he ended up in Colorado, but he said, Pastor John, that's, that's my best accent. Pastor John, God has blessed me financially more than I deserve. And, and this was the, the clincher. Jesus has changed my life. And if I gave less than a 25% offering to the local church, this is what he said, I would be missing out on so much joy and robbing so many people of the blessing that can come from my gift. Radical grace unlocks radical generosity. Radical grace unlocks radical generosity. Something had shifted in the heart of this man where he stopped looking at percentages and he simply was responding to the goodness of God in his life. It's that simple. Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We come back to this verse a lot because it's really the heartbeat, I think, of a New Testament understanding of giving and tithing. Verse 7, it says this. Let's read it together. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so our challenge to you is simply this. Pray about it. Ask God, first of all, what you should give each, each week, each month, however you want to do that. Start there. Start there with that discipline. Think about which type of triangle you've got set up in your life. And then beyond that, pray about what God wants you to give to this facility, to, to the campaign as we move forward. And again, grab one of those packets in the back. There's a prayer guide in there. There's a giving guide which unpacks everything we've talked about today even more. Here's the thing. Um, a lot of you are thinking, I, I don't know if I can participate in this. This is for everybody. Because God wants to do something in our hearts as we pray about it, and that might just be your time and your gifts and your talents to the church as well. And so we want to encourage you to look at the cards that are on your chairs 
uh, today, those giving cards, and just pray about that. If you want the full packet, again, those are in the back. Grab one of those. And we want to encourage you to do is next weekend, the 23rd and the 24th, is recommitment weekend, okay? And every single one of us is going to bring this Thanksgiving offering to God of our time, our talent, or our treasure. Every single one of us brings an envelope next week because every single one of us has experienced the goodness and the grace of God. And so uh, everyone's going to have a chance to, to bring that up next week. If you forget, that's totally fine. If you're going to be gone, you can give ahead of time. You can give at any point. And so as we kind of take a step back into where we started, whether it's a a big upcoming move as a church, whether it's a capital campaign, whether it's your monthly budget, or trusting God with your future. Sometimes living by faith is just taking one step, just one step. Some of you are afraid to take that first step because you're saying, John, I can't see the whole path. If if I trust God with my finances, if I trust him with my marriage, with my relationships, with my kids, what's going to happen? I don't know. But he does. He's got a pretty good track record of unbroken promises and faithfulness. Sometimes faith is taking one step, even when you can't see the whole path. Just like our friend, your friend and mine, Indiana Jones. Let's take a look. Yes, I just used a clip from Indiana Jones in a sermon about tithing. I'm going to count that as a win, right? (laughs) Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. About what we do not see. Who knows what the future holds for us as a church? It's going to be awesome. Whatever it is, it's going to be quite the ride. Who knows what the future future holds for us? Who knows what the future holds for you? And I don't know what's in front of you today, but I do know this. Our fears don't stand a chance next to God's love. We are not people of fear. We are people of faith. And the band's going to lead us in a new song. We've maybe done it a couple times. They're going to lead us in this song all about living in faith instead of fear. And I think that you're going to like it. God bless you, Hope Des Moines. Let's stand and worship together.